Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Sean. This is Alex. And you are listening to another exciting episode of Coaster Coaster Kings Kings Radio. Radio. Today's episode (laughs) is being recorded from our new house, which we haven't technically moved into till tomorrow, but we're recording here early. So if the sound quality is a little different, if the room sounds a little more hollow, that's because uh, we're recording for the first time in a different place. Um, we also have a, a new Coaster Kings headquarters office that we're building, but that's all yeah. not, not ready yet. Um, which we'll probably start recording in future episodes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, by the next episode, we should be up in the in the office. Right now, we're in the dining room, which is pretty much, for all intents and purposes, the dining room is finished. We just have to hang artwork. Yeah, we actually built a bar in here, so we're drinking our first mixed drinks in our new house, which um, are espresso martinis to keep us nice and yeah, awake for today's topic. Yeah. Uh, speaking of today's topic, today's topic is Fantasyland. Mm-hmm. So uh, Germany's a famous theme park for putting a whole lot of entertainment in a very little space. We just went back late July and our first visit together was in 2018. And so this was about three years later, three and a half years later. So it was good to kind of see like, well, what do we think of the rides now? Um, and what is Fly all about? You know, the new Fukoma launch flying coaster. So that and more, we'll just kind of run around the park today and kind of see what we think of each attraction, each area, where the park shines, what the park needs to work on. I mean, I guess most people know that Fantasyland is just a genius park. So mm-hmm. there really isn't much, um, much criticism, except for obviously there's a couple of things that um, um, you know, we can still discuss on, on a global scale. Where should we start? Well, our day actually started um, in Kluheim, in that rear entrance, um, with that parking lot area. So I think it's not the first thing that we wrote that day, but I think it is a good place to start with Fantasyland because I think in the last five years, I think most people, when they think of Fantasyland, that's definitely something they think about is Tarong. So I think that's an I think that would be an interesting, useful place to start personally. Okay, fair enough. So, um, on this trip, Sven's not here right now recording with us, but Sven took us um, in his car. We drove from Belgium that morning to Fantasyland, and the cool thing about Fantasyland is how small it is. So, in order to park, you have to drive under the park, which is a very small mm-hmm. tunnel, really. And then you park in like, some farmer fields in the back. Um, and that's also where the mystery entrance is, which is over next to Mystery Castle and Klugheim. Um, according to the park, Klugheim is a subsection of mystery, but... Kluheim is so massive that I almost feel like that is the main area. Yeah. As where, um, but I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense that mystery is the overall theme. You also have River Quest, whose new entrance is located within Kluheim, so it's technically sort of part of Kluheim. But um, due to COVID-19, the entrance of the ride was reopened on the mystery side of the midway. So it's, it's so a little weird. They make it really complicated for a park that literally is the size of a couple of football fields. Um, it really is like one of the smallest parks in the world. It's, it's kind of crazy, like when you drive up to it, it's really not much. But that's what's also so impressive about Fantasyland, is able that they're able to fit all these amazing attractions in one spot. Mm-hmm. So the real question is, how did Tagon hold up compared to what we thought of it the first time? <laughs> um, the biggest difference between our rides on, our rides on Tyron three years ago and our rides on Tyron this year is Velocicoaster happened. Yeah, and we've been riding Velocicoaster quite a bit since it um, had its soft open uh, in February, no, in May, in May of this year, and then its grand opening the first week of June, by which point we'd already ridden it quite a bit, and um, remember, you know, riding it, it was like, you think about Fantasyland and, and Taiwan fondly in that context, because these rides look very similar and are the same ride system, and... Tauron has long been considered among the best of the Intamin multi-launch LSM coasters, so that's sort of the bar, and I think it's safe for us to say that the bar has been raised. The bar by has been raised by Velocicoaster. Yeah, one of the main things is I always thought that Tauron kind of needed to have an inversion because it's just Tauron really is two fast launches and then just a bunch of airtime and lateral transitions, but it lacks, in my opinion, for a ride that long, like an extra element that is not just an airtime hill or just, uh, you know, uh, a switch track. The and ride doesn't even really feel like it has elements. It feels it just has like the same thing, kind a of mishmash yeah. of turns and, and drops. It's like, which is really impressive because of the scenery that's built around it. Yeah. But having ridden Velocicoaster now, which does nothing twice, really, you know, inversion, different kind Probably. of inversion, airtime moments, and then the second launch on Velocicoaster is just as powerful, if not more powerful, than the second launch on Tyron. 
suddenly I started realizing that Tyron just lacks some of the things. Like a giant drop on a top hat is not a part of um, Tyron. You know, Tyron's highest part of the ride is is a maneuver of three zigzags back down the hill. There's no actual air, like giant drop or anything on that ride. And maybe it was with the intention to make it more family friendly. Which um, you know that's that's been Fantasia's background with that area is to be thrilled but to be approachable, uh, which is why it doesn't have any inversions. But now I'm starting to notice that I definitely think Tahon is not all that anymore. It's it's a really really good ride, really good ride. I must say that, but it is just not Velocicosa level in my yeah. opinion. Feels like there should be. I think we've probably talked about this before, but after the second launch, when the ride reaches its height. Its highest peak, and it kind of does that like yeah, the triple switch back. There's yeah. like the zigzag down. There, it feels like there should be a barrel roll in there. I agree. Um, with Fly, they added barrel rolls, so I guess that's improvement. <laughs> yeah, and I think that another big difference we discussed is this Tagon has four vehicle trains, as where the trains on Velocicoaster are six vehicles long, and the main difference there is that Velocicoaster then has the ability for you to. Get a much more different experience in the back or front of the train. Yeah, you know, it's like quite varied. Like flying forces. over the top of the um, top hat on Flossicos is quite a different experience in the back versus the front. So I feel almost all Tyrone's elements are kind of the same no matter where you sit. Yeah. Um, so that is the big takeaway from this trip is that Tyrone really dropped my rankings. In fact, um, it's not even my top three in the park anymore. Yeah, as far as because of course we rode everything at Fantasia Land coaster wise and. Um, there were rides that we felt a certain way about going into our visit that those opinions changed. Really, almost every ride feels like it either trended up or trended down based on our particular visit this time. The only exception being Fly because it was the only new coaster for us, but everything else either was like better than expected or better than we remembered or maybe it fell a little flat compared to our past experiences, I think. Yeah, and um, at the end of the day, Fantasia has a lot of really good rides, and which is also one of the reasons that Tavon isn't even in our top three. Which, it's not speaking for the whole team, it's really just speaking for me, and I, I guess you too, Alex, right? Yeah. Um, so, there's just rides that I think deserve more recognition, that um, since we went to Fantasia in 2018, we've done quite some traveling. We did another Europe trip, we did uh, like three Asia trips. Um, so we have a lot more modern exposure, including Blitz Coasters. I mean, we've ridden a couple of Blitz Coasters in China, including um, Steel Dolphin at Shanghai Haichang Ocean Park. That was Great really good. Ride. Not very intense, but it's one of those rides that like really c covers the entire park, which is really cool. And then we did Dwelling Dragons, the red side in Guangzhou Sunak Land, which is kind of like Taiwan when it comes to pacing. But it has inversions and it's really snappy and the layout is a lot more original, I feel. It's got that one inversion. That one inversion starts a course through <laughs> and then like becomes like a barrel roll. It, it's super it's, crazy it, and super it fast. It does this one maneuver that's hard to explain, but like in a great way. Yeah. Like, really, and it's right before, it's the finale of the ride and you come out of that and you're like, whoa. <laughs> what was that? Cool. So yeah, overall Thailand is a really, really good ride. Lengthy, fun, really nicely decorated. Um, it's but a handsome ride. Doesn't great quite, doesn't quite live up to what I remember it being. Yeah, it doesn't feel substantial in the ways that it used to. Um, and I think you know Sven has always liked Tyron, but never agreed with us that like I don't think he ever liked it as much as we liked it. And now I feel like we kind of are on the same page with our with our opinions of the ride. Ours are kind of our opinion of it has kind of settled a little bit um but still a great still an enjoyable ride i mean while in the area let's talk about um river quest mm. river quest we actually didn't ride this trip because the line was kind of long and it was definitely busy at the park yeah, despite we didn't, everyone we didn't... needed to have a vaccine passport and yeah. the whole being a dark checkpoint and stuff it was it was quite packed uh, but the weather was beautiful yeah we, had we, a didn't great trip. Do, we actually didn't do water rides on this one but i just we just weren't really feeling the water rides they had some crazy long lines the water rides did. I think they were longer. It was a hot day. The lines, I think, for the water rides were longer than um, than a lot of the coasters, so it was kind of prioritized accordingly. But I do like River Quest, so quick shout out to that ride. Um, I know we haven't ridden it since 2018, but I think it's super cool how they were able to fold a major, major rapids ride in a very small space. Very Fantasia long, but mm -hmm. just put a bunch of drops in it to make it work. Um, also in the area is Reich, which is the Vacoma family or such junior boomerang coaster 
Very fun. It's in fact so well hidden that if you don't pay attention, you don't know it exists. <laughs> it is really just like I kind of forgot about it. It's just stuck <laughs> in like a building that's like, between oh, yeah. River Quest, and it hovers in, in caves below or trenches really below Talon. Um, if you don't know where the entrance for it is, you make it miss that it even exists, which is kind of funny. Um, kind of shows you how nice the whole area is. Overall, area is obviously cool. The rock work is really impressive. Really cool to walk around because you have all those different levels. But that kind of counts for almost everything in Phantasm. Everything yeah. kind of has that same, like, wow, this is really, really cool how it's all integrated together. Uh, what should we do next? Should we move towards Wuzatan? Should we move towards Colorado? I guess we'll talk about China for a second because we didn't do any of the rides in China. We did Geister Rickshaw. In 2018, and that was cute, but it wasn't like something where it's not something yeah, where you is like Cars of the Caribbean means haunted mansion somewhere in the seas of Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, for <laughs> kind of how that went, and then they have a Vacoma Madhouse there too. And um, really, the highlight of the China area is just walking around there and like seeing the hotel. The restaurant there is probably like the top restaurant for the park. And Ling Bao is a really nice hotel, yeah. Um, but only problem during our visit with how busy it was the lines for food were so out of control oh my god it was we crazy. actually didn't eat the entire day there because yeah. every time well actually at the end we got ice cream, cream but um every we, we went and looked for food almost all day because we were kind of hungry when we yeah. already got there because you're like let's get to the park it's three hour, three hour ride from i think place. we kept thinking that the lines for food would get shorter and they got longer <laughs> it just kept getting longer One the first i was thinking like oh it's a lunch rush it's a lunch rush and then it just never it never recovered the lines for food were just Exactly. Brutal. At one point, the bridge that goes from um, Kluheim slash Colorado Over or, to all the Berlin. way to Berlin that, that had the complete lines on it just for, for, for food. It was hard to tell where one food line began for mm-hmm. one restaurant and another one ended. Almost like they backed into each other and were getting confused and intertwined. And this is one of those parks where there literally is already not enough space to begin with. The midways are already kind of small because it's all so infinitely fine put together yeah. but then having like cues in the midways really made it pretty miserable um and another thing that didn't help was because of covid guidelines they were trying to do a lot of one direction stuff so you would have to go from mexico and then cross through china around the back to mm. get the colorado adventure yeah and but you had to walk all the way back to the colorado plaza first which is actually like right next to mexico so you have to do like a big loop around just to get into the switchbacks and get to the getting queue. to colorado adventure is pretty funny that, honestly half the adventure of colorado adventure <laughs> is getting to colorado adventure right um but it was worth it's worth a hassle because colorado adventure is an incredibly underrated mine train i am not afraid to say that it's the best mine train yeah i would i would a lot of people for a lot of people it's somewhere between colorado or um Big Thunder, paris, paris. For me, it's no it's no contest. Colorado feels so unique and fast. Colorado has a thrill edge to it that's almost scary because mine trains you don't really expect whippiness, forces, banking. These trains are long, but there's like if you sit in the back car, there's some severe airtime coming off of the top of that first lift. Um, it's pretty impressive how that's done. And then um, the nice thing about Colorado is, is, is just like for everything else of a thousand, you really can't figure out the layout because yeah, yeah. that ride is just like hidden in like three show buildings, um, intertwined with chapas, intertwined with whatever area at the end. You know, we do the final helix. It really is interesting the it's little like, show building wow. they have for it. I wonder. I bet there was another ride in there at some point. Well, they have two show buildings. They have the one that's pitch black and the one that's still partially yeah. open. And they kept it open on purpose. It's got the ride like tunnels through all sorts of infrastructure that I'm pretty sure is older than any of the ride itself. And Chiapas is kind of the same way. I they added that, to well, it. Well, Chiapas is where the Larflum used to be. Yeah. Like, it used to the same Some lift of the, hill. Yeah, the, um, the, the, the flume, the, the part of Chiapas that's like intertwined with um, Colorado is follows the same path that the old uh, Wild Basaban 1 and 2 used to follow. And then um, the the new area of the flume that has like all the rock work and elevated stuff that's all new. Um, they did a fun job of, of of staying true to like what was cool about the the log flumes after uh, like Colorado took such care in navigating around the log flumes back when Colorado was new. That was '96. That's nice that um, now it's in reverse. Chapas feels elevated in the same way. Um, and interestingly, Colorado. despite Colorado and Chapa aesthetically being different themes, different areas, they work together very well, of course, yeah. because like a mine train through the canyons of the American West yeah. versus the canyons of a Mexican town, it actually kind of works out and it's really nicely integrated together. Um, but I think Colorado, the coolest thing about Colorado is from the midway, 
you really don't see the ride much. You kind of see that when it gets, it gets off the third lift hill and it does that little canyon, yeah. canyon helix, and then it goes through through the rocks and then it makes its way back towards the station where it does one final helix over the water into the brake run. That's kind of all you really see. The rest of the ride is completely hidden, but it's I a long the, roller coaster. The first lift hill out of the station that's like hovering over the midway. Yeah. It goes over the roof of a building. It just disappears. <laughs> yeah, the ride's kind of like takes you off just don't into see. Colorado. You just, yeah, it. you're like, well, that goes somewhere. <laughs> and it's just Let's a really snappy, forceful ride. Like, there's before the second or third lift, there's that weird, weird bank where like you almost get thrown out of the freaking car yeah. sideways. Yeah. Really wild. Um, but like overbanking, not like lateral, but like lateral in the opposite direction where like it's almost like banked too much or you hang sideways, almost falling out. Really, really interesting. Uh, overall, great, great ride. Um, it's in my top three at Fantasia Land. I just can't get enough of how I love looking at it from I love pulling up parks on, on Google Earth and trying to make heads or tails. Here you can see the two buildings, which don't look like they were built at the same time. These two buildings <laughs> they that, that, Col that Colorado um, occupies and then where um, the log flume. I think the most impressive part right is that Colorado has so many entrances to buildings, but there's one building that is completely pitch black. Like it's yeah. so dark in there, you literally do not know. I, I can't yeah. figure it out. It's like almost scary because like the ride's really forceful. Yeah, there's one show building that around. kind of feels like a covering and you see stuff in the infield and then there's one that's like dark. But so dark that like you have to hold on because like- it's, I think it's, it's like, like they built ride. like an internal, like a tunnel around the ride inside of the- Yes, all the entrances yeah. are tunnels. So like it's, the light pollution <laughs> doesn't exist. Really, really impressive stuff. Really fun. So yeah, overall great ride. I um, guess every time I ride that ride, it blows, I'm like, I, I somehow I allow myself to forget how amazing it is because then when I every time we go and we ride it, I'm like, oh my god, this ride is so cool. <laughs> um, let's talk Chapas right next door. Yeah, Chapas. The only thing I don't like about Chapas, to start with that, is the 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 restraints. Oh, so it's really restrictive brutal. and painful. Although and I feel like the, that was the first time we'd ever ridden a log ride or water ride that had lap bars like that. I think now we're a little bit more used to the idea. Dudley Do-Right's Rips Off Falls uses a similar restraint system. Um, but yeah, Chapas had like a really long wait and we didn't need to get wet. We weren't like, well, it just wasn't cool a huge priority was, for us. So we were that the like, walkway yeah. between Mexico and Colorado was open. Yeah. Which goes literally through mm -hmm. Chapas. So there's a lot of really cool vantage points where you like see the boat all around yeah, right next like, to you, above you. Like splashing down right next to you. That was actually one of my favorite it's things like about right next walking to around. Talocan, and you walk up. You can even see it on the maps here. It's like this, almost like walking around in like a castle of sorts. And it threads around, and and then eventually you poke out over by the the big Helix for for Colorado, and then wind up on that midway um, with the theater that leads over to China and the entrance to Colorado. That was really cool, and if you go to thecoastkings.com and check out our fantastic on the best of the best article, you'll we'll have some we we'll have a couple of cool shots in there where you can really appreciate Chapas off ride, uh, ways I've never seen the ride before. I mean, I yeah. guess the midway isn't always open because last visit that midway wasn't open, so we had a really great time taking shots of Chapas and Colorado from this auxiliary busy day midway that kind of winds through um, the rock work. Mm -hmm. That was really, really fun. Chapas overall, it's a really, really cool lock flume. I would say most people consider it perhaps the best lock flume in the world, unless you're like really attached to some of the south, which you shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> they may like Spice Mountain better. But um, I would say I would agree with that. It's incredibly well themed, bunch of different cool, unique modern features like sideway movements, backwards, um, a crazy it's essentially drop. a water coaster like really cool it definitely if, if if you don't count this as a credit it definitely blurs the lines between credits and water rides um just like the drop is very dramatic and roller coaster like it's massive i feel like the large part of the ride is the final drop it just takes up the entire it's ride it's huge and it it's so really steep. large it kind of makes it kind of dwarfs in my opinion and make it be rock work but it kind of dwarfs like deli do ride for example yeah. it's that massive yeah and so much of it is subterranean, I guess. It, like, they dug so deep to get the bottom of that drop. Because then when you climb back up and then down again into the splashdown, you're like, wow, we were... Way down. We felt like we were several stories below the, the, the like boom for the splashdown. very far down, and you go, like, kind of, like, rocket it's your way such a, rock It's such a dramatic... It's, it's, just a, it's one of the best drops on just about any ride anywhere. Like, it is just so dramatic. And the forces, when you, when you bottom out and you pull back up into the airtime hill that leads to the splashdown, I mean, it is, it's great. 
Now, one thing I noticed on this trip in particular, and it could be due to the fact that Hochberg has no sidelines, um, and that we're just like really big Orlando people now because we live here now, is that the sideline game between the areas is actually not as strong as I remember it being. Yeah. I feel like if I'm in Mexico, I see like Mamba. I mean, it's, I mean, it's I'm not blaming the park. They did the best they could. It's impossible. Yeah, there's it's a like little more bleeding. Everything hooks each other. But I'm in Mexico and I'm walking around. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, there I see Tahoe in the sky. And oh, I see um, Berlin. And oh, I see like Mamba. Some stuff is ambiguous enough. You've got lots of brown, lots of earth tones. At least it blends and well. The, but, I mean, the conversion. Matamba is like the, the, the African yeah. family hotel that literally, the majority of that building faces Colorado. Some parts, yeah, some parts to me make, are, are like easier to forgive than others. That sort of ambiguous earth tone collision of Colorado, Africa, and Mexico areas. Like, Those really work, work together, but it's a contrast between Mexico. But then once you have like um, ar- architectural architectural elements and stuff that that power clash with each other one place that did a pretty good job despite the clash is from china to kluheim because of the lanterns so like if you walk towards kluheim the lanterns are themed to kluheim but if you walk from kluheim towards china the lanterns have chinese characters on them which is really cool that's Mm -hmm. actually one of the uh, the few plus the the, the side of kluheim that faces china is not it's it, again it's not super it's not as arc i feel like it's not as architecture heavy whereas like the part of kulkheim that faces mexico has a lot more of like the buildings and stuff and then you start to really see the key architectural differences and then it's like okay like i'm being taken out of the well yeah and, the, then, there, and the, then there the is area here and then there's um old berlin or berlin right there as yeah. well which is that that's kind of like the cross points of things a little awkward but um, I mean, we're just nitpicking. All, all is forgiven at <laughs> Fantasia alone. Yeah. Um, next up, let's talk about Wooza Town. Wait, we we didn't talk about Black Mama, did we? Oh, but not yet. No, we'll get we'll get there. I okay, want to talk, talk about, about okay, um, Town real quick. Okay. So Wooza Town, land of the Wooz. Um, this is probably the area I like the least this time around. It just feels like it wasn't. Being I love how very the well. show buildings for Temple of the Live Till and. Winjas, Wu's Town, are like Literally two little like yin Tetris. and yang, like yeah. little pieces that fit together. Well, yeah, so well, I guess we'll start with um, uh, Winjas Fear and Force real quick. The cool thing right now, because of COVID, is that you wait outside, but then you just wait up the hill and then you walk straight in to like an emergency exit for Winjas Station and you walk straight to the station because they, they don't want you queuing inside. So at least it kind of like has some fresh air and the line looks a lot longer than it really is. It was a little odd because you, I'm so used to like when you're inside of that indoor area of the park, it's supposed to be full of people and very lively, but you can only go in there now if you've already ridden Winjas. Yeah, or if you go to ride the Or I guess if you go to ride the, the Tittle Tattle Tree. Tittle Tittle. The Tattle Tale Tree. <laughs> we have our own names for everything. Tattle Tale Tower to ride. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> but the area just kind of felt abandoned. I mean, this is a three-story area. It has like a kitty area of it, stairs, but like it wasn't even. I, I didn't it's remember how definitely to get suffering in the era of COVID because it just doesn't feel like it was also the first Fantasyland area to really be its own experience. Like Wooza Town was kind of like like the turning point. Like Colorado mm-hmm. was a turning point when it came to like the park really dedicating to building immersive, high-quality, major record-breaking rides. Yeah. rides. You know, Michael Jackson's name was slapped all over it. It was it yeah. was a big deal. And Wooza Town was the first time they built an area that was like. Sidelines, because like they did Colorado uh, in area and they did um, Haunt Mystery Castle in 2000, and that was like their first major like themed modern like themed storytelling ride. And then Woos and Winges like that opened in t- 2002, and that was like that was of, the first. That was that, like, like the road the land, what, like the ride was the land. And that's obviously what Fantasyland is now. It was like the ride because from there the they land. hit their stride because. Then they built, they opened RiverQuest, which was in like 2003 or 2004, mm-hmm. and then Africa. I remember the ads for RiverQuest when I lived in Europe? It was cool. I was like, wow, they can do these drops with these things, and like the little, yeah. like, the, like the bats with the hands. Like super that ride crazy. was, was so cool. ahead of its time. It was really cool. So ahead of its time. Uh, I feel like you could sell RiverQuest to a park anywhere in the world, and it would be a, a huge hit, but it's totally. already 20 years old. Um, so yeah, Wooza Town now being the oldest like ride is area yeah. kind of attraction. The oldest of like some of the modern. It really land. did feel like that, especially now that Rockburg exists, which I would you know sneak peek to later this episode. It's the de- most detailed area the park's ever Rockburg is is it's incredibly outrageous. Everywhere I look, there is a detail. It's and stupid. It's I don't really, know the I only other area I can think of besides Diagon Alley that like. Is zero it, sight is, line is, issues. Yeah, yeah, zero sight lines. Aside from like Pandora and you know the natural sight line effect of like just having 
forest separating. Whenever we're gonna talk like the parks with the best sightlines in the entire world, the, the three areas that are the best sightlines in the entire world, as yeah. far as I'm aware, it's Pandora, Diagon Alley, and, and Rokeburg. Rokeburg felt a lot like. If, if you could imagine Diagon Alley, but it was instead like a of steampunk vibe, yeah, but like, like with a different right? aesthetic, but it felt the way that Diagon Alley feels, where you like go into the tunnel, even, yeah, exactly, like even like through a wall portal with brick, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's it feels it, and it's a great feeling. It's not the same as like Avatar, where it's it's the forest that separates the sight lines. The fact that the sight lines are there and it's and it's uh, infrastructure, it's like civil infrastructure, like buildings and housing and stuff. And you know that there's other stuff on the other side of it, but it's so wonderfully done. Yeah, yeah. Not quite as simple to do as just putting forest between. Which you I guess Woosetown technically area. is kind of like that too, because it's almost all indoor. But yeah. Woosetown technically is outdoor as well, and has that weird the little monorail, monorail ride. Thingy, it's got which some key rides. Those by the walls of um, uh, of Roadburg, but you have yeah. no clue unless that auxiliary entrance is open, which it yeah. wasn't during your trip. You have no clue to ride on the other side of the walls of Flying Coaster. Yeah. Super impressive. Um, and then you have Temple of the Lift Hill that's currently... Crazy Bats. Crazy Bats. Okay, so like we used to hate... Well, not really hate the ride, but it's kind of one of those rides where you're like, well, whatever. I was really... I really enjoyed my ride. We really wanted time. to go ride it because, well, we rode um, Revolution of Bobby Yanlons. And we um, rode Fogel Rock. And Fogel Rock before. the same day. So we're like, we have to... We have to just ride the Temple of the Lift Hill. And the line said 25 minutes and we got in like 50. Yeah. It was really quick. And we're like, this is great. And I was feeling nauseated. The ride is so because long. They run three trains. I was like, I really just need to sit in the dark with some air conditioning. <laughs> um, because I, we, after our second ride on fly, I was tapped out. I, I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> I needed. I needed a ride on Crazy Bats to settle my stomach. So Crazy Bat is technically the name of what they have with the VR, which is I guess some sort of franchise. I don't really know much about yeah. it. However, the ride itself, um, I have much more appreciation for it now. In fact, I hope they never demolish it. Obviously, it's the next in line to get demolished. Um, but what I hope they do is I hope that they keep the current ride, but give it a really expensive makeover. Yeah. To the point where, like, instead of keeping the show building dark, I want them to, like, take that show building and, like, change give the inside scenes. and build it a world. Yeah. Like, make it a jungle, make it something that's, like, not just a dark coaster in the dark. Like, make it a coaster with, like, scenes and scenery and, like, world building. Because the building is massive. It's one of the largest indoor coasters in the world. It's really, really big. It has three lift hills. It runs three trains, but there's like easily 30 seconds between trains to yeah. the station. Huge capacity. You're like, oh, are you guys running one train? Where is there a train here? But that's because the ride is so long. Force-wise, it's not super intense, but it just has a really long layout that you can't really figure out. It's just so pleasant. Like, it's just such a nice, like, little, a little night sensory break. Like... It's a little bit of sensory deprivation. My favorite part is being somewhere in the show building and then seeing another train come into the show yeah. building because there's like lights on the first yeah. lift and you're like, shit, this building is big. Yeah. They look from space and the building is really big. Mm -hmm. It is a really big ride. Yeah. Um, opened as Space Center in the 80s, which was obviously yeah, a reaction to Space Mountain. Yeah. However, it would have more of a uh, Battlestar Galactica vibe to it. Then it became Temple of the Nighthawk after Witches Wuzetown opened. opened. Yeah. yeah, and so, um, and then it got a special soundtrack from Immascore. And now obviously it's crazy bats. So we hope that the next incarnation of the ride, which would be a budgetary move, would just for it to be way more heavily themed. And I think that that ride really has enough. I think another question to ask about that ride is like, what's going to happen to the Hollywood boat ride, which is retired permanently. I think. Right below. Well, here's the thing. It's just closed for the season. But honestly, they could just... Use that space below and build a new water ride. Because I think it'd there. be fun for them. They could keep the ride. The, the ride probably has decent bones. It's a little shoot the shoot type thing where you start at the top where you're in, where you're and in you theater. do this cute yeah. like ninety degree turn drop into the ride and that kind of sets it in motion. It almost has like this Pirates of the Caribbean feel where like the drop is but it says serves like as your transition. Kind of yeah, but you, it's like a it, it's a perfect cross between Pirates of the Caribbean and the Great Movie Ride. In a way, it's the most fantastical thing ever because Old Fantastical was very obsessed with like Hollywood and like hilarious. America, almost like Bobby Allen. Yeah, was, and that's why the yeah. bosses were friends. Um, but now Fantastical has switched in such a different direction of like yeah. the mystery world building that Hollywood tour feels like it's so not Fantastical. Yeah. Like get rid of it, you know. We I would just, just love. I think, movie park if I, think I would. I would bet that the ride system is in good enough shape that they could just do another ride. Which that's what I'm thinking. I want both those rides in that building to, to stay, stay intact, right? I mean, upgraded. Yeah. But like really, just like re retheme the whole thing and make it something you yeah. know world building. Like yeah. Spend spend a lot of money on scenery, but I think they can do a lot with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm thinking like Dronflucht. 
like the the forest yeah. scene with like the little um, angels, like mm-hmm. whatever, like little fairies yeah. swinging back and forth, like yeah. the rainforest scene. God. I'm I'm imagine like build drone flips, mm-hmm. but make it in the roller coaster and have like this like lush green landscape and like the rainforest and you know you can easily hide the big supports that keep up the giant roof. By making them big, tall trees. I could do a whole episode on how much I love Dreamflight. You know what? I think we should just like <laughs> ride from Tassilon and just recreate Temple of the Dreamflight for them. Temple of the Dreamflight. That would be really, really oh awesome. Oh my god, yeah. I just, um... I think that's that. That's a direction that Fantasyland needs to go in. Is they need a, another dark ride. They've got Ch- Mouse of Chocolate, which we didn't ride this time, but it's a great ride. We really enjoy it. Um... But I would just love for them to do like a Dream Flight or um, Symbolica level like e-ticket dark ride. That's just a traditional dark ride instead of tasking itself with the with the um, interactive aspect. Uh, and to conti- and on that note, I would like to see Geister Rickshaw uh, get remodeled. They used to have another dark. They used to have more dark rides. Like it was a more dark ride. Heavy park. Centric park. Which makes sense for Because they had the space. Schwarzkopf mine dark ride back when they actually had a full mine area. Back in the day, Colorado Adventure was an expansion to the existing Wild West area of the park that was completely replaced by Klokheim, which is why Colorado doesn't really have its own area. It used to. In fact, Colorado is rumored to become part of Asia. Because, yeah. I mean, if you know the park, it makes complete sense. Like, in order to get to Colorado, you have to go through like a you bunch of China. You can give that stuff. ride an Expedition Everest. But yeah, the, the theme will be like theme. K2 or Everest. And, um, yeah. and make it like a make base camp about, theme. Yeah, and it's golden. Like, it would work it's, really it's, well. It's perfect. And that would give China a much needed roller coaster. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't expect the whole, like the Wild West thing to even be around, like that whole aesthetic, that little corner, really just because the Wild West area now just has Colorado and the little kitty drop towers that Colorado encircles at the end, and I think that's technically it for that area. It's so tiny. And even like the area around the Helix, when you take that walkway from Tavolcon that goes through Chiapas, and you come down, it's got all of those flags and stuff, the, the Mexican flags, the paper ones, and all the different colors and stuff, and that's like in the third lift hill helix drop infield of Colorado, that's all still Mexico. And then you pop out and it's like Wild West is this tiny little pop. The only thing that I could think of is if they were to just permanently relocate the entrance to Colorado and make it right on the other side of the bridge from where like you come through um, Chapa. So if yeah. you were to like go take Chapas over to like Montamba area, which is also where like the old theater is, I think that that should be like the grand entrance to Colorado because then it would all blend together. Then it would be like Colorado, Mexico, one thing. I think it works really well. Oh, yeah, you can. Uh, but as of right now, the way, to, the way they route you, I don't know. You wouldn't have to do much to make Colorado and Mexico think, themed either. So. I still think a mine train fits Colorado theme better than a China theme. Um, but it could still be a train. It just wouldn't be a mine theme. Sure, train. but I still like, feel like the majority yeah. of the ride is intertwined with Chapas. I feel like it still fits that theme better. Yeah. But it's, it, they it, can it, get if really it was still the American Southwest. Fantasalon has shown that they can do pretty much anything they want to do. So um, whatever they do with it, I'm excited for it. But first, take a look at Temple of the I also don't know if they'll ever... Uh, they probably can't even part with the name. Like They could retheme it or like add it to an existing area of the park per the map, but they'll probably still call it Colorado Adventure forever. Because it's <laughs> iconic. It's just too... It's just... You know? It, they could never... They could never do away with that. Um, Next up, so we okay, talked yeah, so about... T- um, Temple of the Lift Hill we talked about in Wu's Town. I think it's time to talk about some Black Mamba. Is it time to talk about Black Mamba? Okay. Black Mamba. Um, Full disclosure, Black Mamba was my favorite coaster at the park when I went in 2013 and then we went to ride Tauron and Tauron dethroned it and now I think Black Mamba is back pretty close to the top for me our ride on it was so good the one thing that's hard about Fantasyland is separating what's objectively the best and what is your favorite yeah because this is one of those parks where like, everything is really really good I feel like sometimes I have favorites so I'm like yeah well obviously it's not like the best thing here I know that you know what I'm saying but the Fantasyland is one of those things where like every ride is really really good so everything could be the best ride there and so having a favorite and it being the best are like the lines are blurred for me 
I think that the best product they have is probably still a fly because of how detailed it is yeah. and how like revolutionary it is and how it's like spoiler alert half dark ride half roller coaster launches like it's really 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 cool but I think that the favorite may be Black Mamba yeah for me because I love a naturalistic edge riding Black Mamba comfort. this time felt like it just hit me so differently it felt like I had this this feel of nostalgia this love for a traditional B&M invert and like so much love and respect for the way that this ride was executed um, well, the, Black Mamba was the first of like what I call the big three. Yeah. Black Mamba introduced the idea of like the land and the ride. I mean, I know that Wuzestan introduced the land and the ride being the same thing, but like Black Mamba kind of like like the outdoor version of like the world building they've done. Um, I think Black Mamba started that. Black Mamba has like this hotel. I remember and, like the whole theme when area. they were building Black Mamba, and, and it's was... like built to the ground. And in fact, like when you are driving on the little roads, drive right underneath like the walkways that pass it's it's crazy incredible how to, how to fit it in and then like the half inversion um and after the zero g roll is literally like a couple of feet away from a bus stop outside yeah, the like park covering. you would never know it's it's dumb how good that ride is integrated and that was the first time i think that the park really like built something that was integrated with the ground and like public infrastructure midway um, and that kind of started, I think that's the inspiration behind Tackle and Fly. I mean, without Black Mamba, we would yeah. have never seen Tackle and Fly Absolutely. ever. Um, and I really have much more appreciation for it. And now they redid the rock work on Black Mamba since our last visit. They, mm -hmm. were, they started working on it, but they weren't finished with it yet. Yeah. And now they finished the rock work. They were work. so happy with the fulfillment end of Klukheim that they redid had Black Mamba. The, the rock work redone for Black Mamba. Which is really nice. Um, and I think overall... Black Mamba's naturalistic edge and having grass and having like the trees grown in now and then the you know the suspended bridges that go around the ride's queue just so you can go into uh, you know, into the station and the waterfalls and then having you know that the detail in the rock works that the train flies by at like 50 miles an hour and it's almost you can't you can't even appreciate it when you're on the ride you can only appreciate it off ride I feel yeah. you know like the the tunnels that um, or just the walls that the coaster trains fly by so closely really highly detailed beautiful beautiful ride um i would say probably my favorite the whole area, and it's just like a really yeah. like snappy good old school beanham invert despite the whole it being area like is part beautiful. of the, the landscaping is so lush and and stunning we'll talk more about landscaping with a uh, or lack thereof <laughs> with with fly but something that like really gets me with the africa area because i would say that the africa area is my favorite area of fantasia land in addition to black mama being my favorite ride there is I just love the naturalistic edge of it and the, the landscaping, the foliage, is something that I really, that's something that I really crave um, in a theme park setting. And when foliage and landscaping is not part of the, of the package, I feel like a lot of times I feel like it's something that is just glaring, like it's just noticeably missing, just like for me. Why are you looking up? I'm just looking at pictures of... Um, Black Mamba's Black construction. Mamba when it was under construction. <laughs> Shout out to I the person working so on Black Mamba. So currently there, there were only signing rows because of COVID, but we were a party of two and there was a party of one in the front row. So he put us in the front row, which is really awesome. Because yeah. um, that ride, obviously like almost every invert is better in the front row. Yeah. Getting a front row ride on it and then it was like the best ride ever. I was like, wait a minute. I, well, let me ask you this, babe. How do you think of it compared to Nemesis and Ozeus? I think it's my favorite invert and I think Nemesis is a really close second. Nemesis, of course, was like... This Nemesis walked so Black Mamba could run kind of thing. Like, Do you think the power trio is Osiris, Black Mamba, and Nemesis? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Although there's some, there's, there's, there's some other inverts that would have something to say about that. Like, like Montu. Montu, Alpengeist, Monster. I, always, I almost like, put them in different categories because I feel like Black Mamba, Nemesis, and Osiris are like in the same like, size yeah. category. And then you've got like... The big bold American B and M's, um, yeah. and I guess the cartoon too. But like cartoon, um, Open Guys and Montu, I feel like those are their own like trio of, of godness. But they're kind of like on a different scope. I think a lot maybe. of people. One of the things that's really great about Nemesis is how the layout feels so unconventional compared to later B and M's. The fact that it has like such that shallow drop and it goes right into a corkscrew and then a helix down into a barrel roll and then the loop is like right in the middle. I mean, that's something that's really special about that ride, whereas Black Mamba follows a slightly more formulaic 
um, yeah, with, with a tradition, but it's nice having that first drop. Yeah. It's very satisfying. But what I like about Black Mamba is there's it's like a, there's a tunnel between every element. Well, yeah, what I what I what I like about Black Mamba is it that took, the finale of that ride really like kicks it into another gear. Like you do your usual B and M stuff, but it's like highly themed and like good pacing, and then. It just does like a crazy figure eight in the heat yeah. and like, but it's, it's all long. in the trenches. It's a nice length. So like you do your last corkscrew and like, all right, that was crazy. But then like, you're still flying and you're yeah. still flying and you, and you keep going until like you enter another tunnel and it's like the final tunnel, you know, yeah. like, then you hit the brakes. But um, overall, it's one of those rides where I think it's, when you think it's over, it's definitely not over yet. And it's really rare for a B&M, I feel. I feel like B&M, so you kind of know when the ride stops. Yeah. You kind of like, you reach the end of your pacing. And I think and it's over, with you know? Nemesis, it's like they did, they blew, they blew the shit out of a wall. You know, they, they took like a, a, they took canyon, a yeah. little hill and like blew it up and put the coaster in there. And I think Fantasialand took it a step further by building this coaster and then threading the whole midway around it. Like they dug really deep built this coaster in it and then like at halfway up the whole station the fact that the station for the ride and everything is basically underground it's under the midway um instead of like with nemesis where you're kind of looking into the valley and the queue and stuff goes through and it's sort of elevated and like bridges and catwalks and stuff but with Fantasialand, you don't even really appreciate how far below midway level you go on that ride until you're riding it and you take the, the staircase down into the station that you're like, oh, we're underground. And then you you turn the corner and you pop up the lift hill and you're you go up, you're like halfway up the lift hill. And then you're just, you know, you're just now getting to the point where you, well, yeah, you're the over the, the midway. It was like the level of Chapas is like midway. Yeah. Really. So how much. And I think of all the areas in the park. Africa is the one that has the most levels going on. Yeah. Africa really is dug the deepest. It has like. Blueheim has like two levels, I would say, of like walkway. Mexico actually might have. Mexico's got like three. Mexico yeah. is. So, so does uh, Africa, though. I mean, I guess both of those yeah. they like border each other. Yeah. But it's really impressive. You can like really walk above and you can see. Like, you're already in uh, Africa, but you're looking at Talacan, which is yeah. not African themed, even though it came with like the Black Mamba setup. Yeah. Um, and then you have a level below that, but like, you know, where the queue is and everything, and above below that, where like a station, the exit, and everything is. And then they were able to fit restaurants. And then there's the level above where you pass through the loop. Yeah. That goes to the hotel. That goes to the hotel. So, like, I would say there's almost, like, four levels of infrastructure. It's like a lasagna. And that's, and, like, in between that is, I weave this B&M invert. Super impressive. Super cool. Just the clearances. Every every turn on on Black Mamba is a foot chopper. Every second of that, or every inch of that ride feels like they took the dirt all the way up. It has a really low height ceiling for for B&M inverts, actually. I'm technically way too tall for it, but... I always find my way on that. Feels no like you are me. for a majority of the ride. You were really scraping the dirt on that, and it really elevates the speed factor, intensity factor. One hundred percent. And now, last but not least, okay, the elephant in the room. So, we talk about Both fly. Words. So, where do we even begin? I guess we'll just like enter. Because obviously, this isn't. If you listen to us, this isn't. The, this isn't the first or the second or the third time that fly has been brought up. Um, and we did a whole special episode on it with Sven, um, Nadja, and Young from Break Section. So there was, we've already focused on it, but I think we come from a bit of a different standpoint. Yeah. We have, obviously we're experiencing this little, a couple months after the hype, you know, we're no longer, we're no longer like, oh, well, let's not give spoilers territory. I'm ready yeah. to give some spoilers. That yeah. episode doesn't include some of the really crazy things, and I want to discuss them this time yeah. around. So definitely go back for like the whole look at the area, like really like an hour detailed review. We're just gonna discuss kind of more um, more of the details that were discussed there, because we really want, didn't want to give too many spoilers. But overall, uh, let's just start with the area. The area is themed Rockburg, which is a futuristic um, kind of old Berlin it's industrial future, yeah. age steampunk area where fly it's is highly industrial, steampunk, highly industrial. Um, whereas like Ride to Happiness, which we had just written, is like what I like to call cottage core steampunk. Yeah. Where it's 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 copper and, and smokestacks, but there's there's fields of flowers and waterfalls and stuff. There's no plant inside in Rokeberg. That's my my number one complaint about Rokeberg is that there is no nothing there is alive. It's all there's there isn't even any fake plants in Rokeberg. It is industry like a truly automated industrial it reminds me of those those in depictions of the future like back in the day when the, the idea of the future didn't necessarily involve things that were organic 
Either because A, that just wasn't cool and futuristic, or B, because we thought we would have just killed the planet by then. Either way, Rokeberg is completely devoid of foliage, which that there's that's not going to bother a lot of people, but for me, me being me, I was like, wow, there's literally nothing alive here. At there's the same no time, plant. that's also why it's so impressive that Rokeberg is so detailed, because generally speaking, I think the most detailed lands around are generally... Sounds like Pandora, in my mm-hmm. opinion, you know? Where I'm like, wow, that's super detailed, but that's because yeah. I have one of little plants. Yeah. Now, Brokeberg, I would probably say, is the most detailed theme plant I've ever been yeah, to. Yeah, it is the single so most detailed. Like, detail. There's details everywhere you look, there is some sort of like significant detail. It really feels like you're in, in like a film set where everything is, all the props and stuff are all there to recreate a society that is, that's fully functioning around you. Um, not just theming, but like everything. There's construction and there's stuff. There's like these steampunky machines that are parked and, and ready to pour asphalt to create more midways and stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is, there's really no, there's really no end to what, and what in that area is theming. Another thing I find really cool about this area is this is the first Fantasyland area where the queue is hidden to the point you don't know where it is until you are in the queue. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like the entrance to fly is kind of like towards the back of the area and you climb up the stairs and then you enter this like steampunky world. Once you and find you the entrance, your entire, you're kind of just like, all right, like nowhere I guess we're near see. the actual queue, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Because once you find the entrance, you make a complete lap around the entire area, underground, above ground, like you do, uh, you do, you do the most. Literally like, where is this going? There's some really cute scenes in the queue too. Some of it is just getting to enjoy views of a fly that you wouldn't necessarily and it almost reminds me of like a Halloween haunt where like you are just like in this narrow hallway but like the entire thing is the narrow hallway there's like no switchbacks really except for when you get to like the inst- towards the station um, so let's just talk about the ride so the queue itself has a great view of the ride you pass by the ride a million and one times so you can get some great little videos off of it and then eventually you made your way around the entire area you pass by the hotel which is um, Hotel Charles Lindbergh which is a nautical, not nautical, nautical what do you call it? Um, um, like a pilot, like a, like a space pod. Uh, aeronaut. Like, Aeronautic yeah, pod theme. Aeronautical. Exactly, like, these little pods. Uh, there'll be an update on that on the website. I think there's already one actually on there um, from James. Anyways, um, and so then you go out the area with the queue. There's some queue diagrammas around the place where you peek into like a little, you know, explorer's office, whatever. Um, and then you make your way all the way back towards the station, which includes passing right by the launch. You, you see the trains like launching in your yeah. direction, really cool. And then you go underground, and then like the station is like at least like two, two levels below. There is definitely, you're kind of, you, there's things that you're putting together in your head when you approach this ride, because you know where the first launch is, the way that it's suspended over the midway. And then you come down to loading. And you think like, where in the world are we? How do we connect? Because there's so much, there's so much infrastructure underground that you don't realize. Like when you're walking through Oakburg, you're walking on like you're walking on top of the ride. Just like, just like Black Mamba or again. Yeah, exactly. So you're walking like above the ride, and so you make your way down, and you go by the water, and you spiral down. Because because when you're walking in the area, you can see like some of the 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 final break run area and like the, the transfer track and stuff yeah. not really transfer but like where the return to the station is it's like yeah. way deep below you can see the rest of the land you, you can kind of like think, peek like, down like, into like how a do you valley. get from point A to point B like where do you go to get to the start of the ride but all is revealed you come in and great you, great loading setup with like the well, station and the valet yeah um, so first you come inside and there's like a set of switchbacks where they play in four languages to pre-show on four different screens which is really cool. Um, it's kind of themed to like this kid in old Berlin or Rogberg, whatever, who sees a flyer of like these like jetpack, public mm-hmm. transit, whatever, learn how to fly. And so he puts on his aviators and he goes in and like he takes on the task. And that's what we're about to do. Yeah, the theme here is... The theme is loose. Jet, it's, but it's you're on a jetpack. Because you're, you're on a jetpack, yeah. like public transit thing that's how I'm gonna describe it's, it. Yeah, it is a little ambiguous, but I think that's for the because best. Because you do your valet and you drop off everything, you get a little wristband. That wristband is used to unlock a locker on one side. It's an RFID we locker. We did this too, before Philosophers did it. Honestly, yeah. like you, like you do your yeah RFID. You open your locker on one side, put your stuff in, go through metal detector, go to the station. When you exit in the exit station, you walk by the same lockers and you unlock it with your thing. So like it's a two-sided locker. Before Philosophers did it, in case anyone's wondering, and. 
when you get to the station, it is split up into four queues. They do it that way so they can, because they have four trains, they just load one train out of a queue at a time. So you can store more people in there so that the valet can keep moving. So you can store four trains worth of people waiting and I'll load them pretty quick. Sometimes they'll use two queues to load the entire train. So like one half queue will become from front half, the other queue will become half, uh, back half. There's 10 cars and how it works is the cars roll into the station sideways. So they are, <laughs> so, so the track is nine degrees twisted and the trains are on that upright facing you. It feels you. a lot like Forbidden Journey loading. Exactly, except, except it's a park. train and it's train two parks. people and it parks. So then you get assigned one of 10 air gates and every air gate is right in front of two seats. And then the cool thing is when a train moves in, it looks like a, like a steampunk metro station. Yeah. The train was like, doo doo. Like, LED like, track lighting that follows the train in and changes the color of the whole station. And then it, like, in the it parks. Like, it's, it's like, it feels like a, like a public transit, like metro underground station. Yeah. Thing, which is why I call it a jetpack public transit. Cause yeah. The, I swear, the theme inside there is like a laboratory meets public transit, 100%. So like you load in and then you sit down. So you walk straight ahead of you. Like you step one step ahead of you. You turn around. You sit down and then you move your legs onto the side of the um, of the of the leg restraints and you just push them in and it yeah. immediately locks them in. So there's no like physical movement at all. Like the restraints come down. So on you. simple. It is like a completely simplified version of any other flying this coaster. This probably can, goes without saying, but this is the flying coaster perfected. And we're not just talking about the ride theme or the layout or any of that. I mean, we're taking it down to the mechanics of this. This is the premium flying coaster mechanism. They're, definitely. Yeah. Because and I think one of the coolest things about this is that without this mechanism, the operations on flying coasters are never good. Even USJ, you know, one of the most visited theme parks in the world, can't get their shit together on flying dinosaurs. It's a nightmare. It makes B&M flyers seem so time-consuming I mean, and complicated. The original Vekoma Flying Dutchman are even more yeah. time-consuming, but Vekoma really came around and perfected their own yeah. product, and now they can run four trains on flying. Because this thing you dispatch, it's no big deal. It all feels static, like you're on a normal roller coaster. The, the rotation of the ride into flight position happens. Well, that's so that's what the coolest thing is. So like you board and then like you take off like almost like a forbidden journey, yeah. like, like I said. You're going and you go sideways along, sideways. You go sideways through a dark it's ride. It's a dark ride. So that's the coolest <laughs> thing. Like this opened the door to flying coasters being way more than just a flying coaster. Yeah. Now a flying coaster can become a flying theater. It can become, you know, like it can become. It was a, a whole ass dark ride at the beginning before the first launch. That's really my favorite part of the whole ride. Yeah, it's really cool because you sit sideways and your, your feet are suspended and like you're kind of just like making your way around. You go past like a laboratory and then you make your way upstairs. So you, you're moving upward because again, you're like far below ground level. You make your way up and you pass by a couple of really cool like high spinning themed elements that like yeah. light up become ads. So there's like yeah. interactive like holographic ads um, that like, advertise like special goggles, Rogberg, the flying machine, whatever. Yeah. And then you park for a quick second in front of a giant screen that faces Rogberg. It's like actively living, yeah. working, people are working, yeah. steampunk everywhere. And then Right after you park and it's ready to go into launch, the track goes from sideways to suspended. It's so seamless. It's seamless. And then the trains at the exact same moment rotate. Yeah. So you're facing forward on the suspended track and without even stopping. It is such a swift without moment. Without stopping, this, that the whole 10 car Suddenly train we were in flying position and we were like... Launches. And then it just... It's just like, takes okay, right off. Jetpacks turn on. Yeah. And it's a really long ride, mostly focused on laying down, which is kind of far... Or criticism comes this in. This ride is really, really intense, intense like it's so on your intense abdomen and your core. A little bit, <laughs> and it's um, th the visuals. The nice thing is though is that like the hand the handlebars are located on the left bar. Yeah. So like you are able to like hold almost like a jetpack. Like you're not holding on like close to your head. You're holding on like right up your hips. Yeah. So you really get to push yourself up a little bit if you wanted to. Which I like that freedom. There's a lot more freedom than a B and M, and the seats are separated more yeah. from each other. It's so like you really have you a, really lot get of, a lot of a range of freedom and the, of motion. And the distance really between vehicles is longer. Yeah, so there's no feet. You're not in your right. Face. Yeah, you don't really see people's feet. The trains are really long, which is very, also very that like long. when you're in the back, you always have the whip effect. Yeah. To the point where like whipping effect on a flying coast of that length, it's just too intense. Like it's yeah. not to be rideable. But yeah, the, the and, forces the front, on this where you have like a really good air. This time. is one of the most intense roller coasters I've ever ridden. It's it's it really was, intense. It is not to be rideable. There's not a moment of rest or or there's really when you're when you're in the barrel rolls and you're on your back for a split second it's, it's the really only peaceful. moment you get 
where you can kind of relax your muscles. But this is, it's a ride um, that is just very, very intense on the body. And it's intense. I think the cool thing is that like, you make your way around the area and like you really get to enjoy some of the elements like the fountains are closed by the water. The fountains and, then and the, the steam through And you cannon. dive through a helix underground. And there's this underground launch that's really, really intense. Yeah. And the launch And then it takes up you uphill. And like so, it's like a launch lift. It's like a yeah, launch, and then like the hill is also launched. And then you take you off, and you get airtime. <laughs> mad airtime. You have a, It's a flying coaster with a with a vertical, well, not a vertical launch, but a, lo- a flying coaster with an uphill launch into a top hat. And it's like super over a five star hotel. <laughs> and then it takes you down. And it was. It, it was. And then it does a couple more like even more interactive things, where, like you really hug the walls and like. Flies like right, right across roofs of buildings. I feel like you can touch. This is really this. The, riding it was right up there with the 4D coasters of like over feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean, there's points where you level with the midway where like you are inches from the gravel that's also next to the midway, and then the finale is like a dive underground, and then you have a um, corkscrew that flies over the roof of the of the Ulverg yeah, restaurant. Yeah. And then you have a helix. Upward or maybe downward a little bit over these like shooting fountains. The you, fountains you are wet. motion sensitive and they'll hit you. And then <laughs> the finale is literally you like going off, so off the water and then you dive down. The final drop is into like this underground tunnel, the lowest tunnel of yeah. the entire ride. And that's where finally brings you back down the to final the brakes are. And the cool thing is, is that it's kind of themed to like a landing strip. So these yeah. lights, interactive lights move with the train. It's like on the ground, so you see them under you. And then, and then before you know it, it does without stopping with the with the flick of a like the flick of a wand. Without stopping, you just flip up. Suddenly, you're sitting sideways. Yeah. And the track is sideways because you're like this happens while the train is in motion, so there's no stopping. It happens and so moving. fast, and especially in the front row, your body has been through so much that I can't even remember the point where you go from like. In the brakes, face right down, now, and, I'm so and then before you know it, you're just like like a snap, yeah, and you're and you're sideways again, especially you're upright, in the sideways. front row, like you like you let, like you touch into this dark tunnel, and the lights are turned and then on, you're, and then you can the see the people in the queue watching you. And I love watching people coming into the brakes of that because there's so many people who are just like completely overwhelmed by what they've just experienced. Well, right, but like what I like is so much like <laughs> being the actual rider, not being in the queue, is that like you have those landing strips, like this dark tunnel gets lit yeah. up. And you just fly through that tunnel. I mean, you're slowing down, yeah. but you're going really fast. And then you just hit that weird turn, and like within a split of a second, yeah. it's like just moving like, s- like high speed sideways. It's <laughs> <just> like <laughs> make you like the station. Like, yeah, you it's make like, like a 90 degree left turn, and then you pull into the I station. I think my favorite part of this ride like, isn't even the part where I'm flying. What? I think the favorite part of the ride is where it's the transitioning, the, queue, <laughs> the area, the transitions, the light effects. It is just like an overall product where I'm like, this is fantastic. It's best work. It's my favorite. Yeah. Maybe not because it's really, really intense. It's too much. So talking me, about it right now, I'm but, like, yeah, this is um, like a favorite thing there. But, but do I think about it every day? Maybe. Oh my god, always. <laughs> so hopefully they didn't give away too many spoilers. Um, and then like at the end of the ride, you're in a different station. Then the, the the takeoff station. Yeah, you are the disembarkment. So like you take this, you go back up to where the lockers are. You grab your stuff, and then diagonal staircase takes you up to probably the entrance of the ride is, um, and that's that. But the, it's that ride is like an experience all the way through. After the first ride, I was through. like so blown away. I was like, wait a minute, we need to. So we got right back in line the we second did, time. We did actually, yeah. And even though it was an hour wait the second time. It still didn't feel like my body had enough time to recover because then when we rode it and we came off after the second ride, I was like not feeling well because it was so much. It's I would, really I, this is more intense for me than like X2 because I know how to ride X2 and I can anticipate all of it. Also, X2 is over way, short, way sooner. Yeah. When you, when you get off the 4D lift, coasters coaster, don't big. even feel as punishing on the body. I think the main difference is, is as that fly. fly is, first of all, launch. Launching flying coasters. <laughs> Are very intense. I mean, I'm so glad it finally happened because I feel like it was always meant to be launched. It's like, I think that's the first I think thing coming, I said. Coming it in, felt so natural launching. I was like, wow, this coaster should have always been launched. Like, coming this thing is in like, I'm just the, taking the up. second like launch flying. and you transition up into the upward part of the launch, I thought my face was melting. It's so intense. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. And then there's the like, con- continuous like being super close, like all the theme elements because flying coasters there's everyone's flying so like you're laying flat so like the the envelope is even more squat you're always like way close to the ground we have some really cool pictures from the (laughs) coasterquiz.com but like you will literally see the people flying like underneath the launch like next to the queue and over the gravel and you're like how does this fit i I remember like the sounds that i was making on some of these 
sharper turds and stuff. They like weren't even human. Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like the, the turns are the size of this a ride. Will, like, it's like a ten vehicle will, like, take through. These rides, like the moments on this ride, will physically take your breath away, and, and, and you're just like left in the final breaks, like holy shit, yeah, like trying to gather yourself and not being very successful because it was. It's it funny. Was, I feel like now I think back to it and like literally talk about the ride. I feel like I like it even more than I did the yeah. moment. In the moment, I Sometimes was... the ride, like, and this is something Alex and I talk about on our, like, never-ending daily, like, coaster talks, because even off, off podcast, like, all our conversations record, all day long are, we like, just talk about roller coasters constantly. <laughs> uh, she could probably figure. And sometimes we, like, tell each other, like, oh, God, we should just record this whole thing we just yeah. talked about. It would be a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one thing we always talk about is, like, how great a ride is kind of In depends on, like, what you think about it, yeah. like, a couple of weeks later. What's the ripple effect of this experience? You know, because sometimes I ride something, like, well, this is really great, and a year later, I kind of forgot what it's about, and yeah. I don't really care. And then there's rides that I just didn't think about much in the moment, and, like, a year later, yeah. I'm obsessed with it. I'm like, wow. Fly really was almost too overwhelming for me to, like... It was, like, like the process in the moment, but now I'm thinking to, back at to it, to understand I'm like, yeah, it. this is great. That ride lives... That, that ride really prospers in my memory, Prospers it, in your memory. It really lives a good life in retrospect, and it makes me. I'm really. I, all I can think about is how excited I am to ride it again, even though in the moment, especially after the second ride, I was like, I don't know if I can ride that again. That's too much. That yeah. was a lot. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I think that Fantasm that did themselves, and it really kind of makes Klugheim feel really basic. It makes Tyrone <laughs> feel very family Tyrone friendly. definitely. Suddenly, Tyrone does feel like a family coaster. Like, it feels. Oh, this is kind of mild. Suddenly, it feels. And like, I mean, um, Kluheim has a lot of rock work and like some vegetation, but overall it's all kind of like the same thing is everywhere. Is it silly of me to feel like Colorado Adventure is like the more intense ride than Tauron because... Oh, I don't think so. Tauron Especially not because Tauron's really, launches are like... Not even Tauron clear. really um, protects your body from laterals. Like there's moments, like I love the transitions and stuff that the ride has, but... Colorado Adventure will like throw you into the side of the train. Yeah. It'll throw you into your riding partner. And like Tauron doesn't do that. It's not that kind of ride. So, in a way, Tauron feels like one of the more comfortable and pleasant rides in the park because it doesn't put your body through a lot. Whereas Colorado Adventure will beat you up. But like, but like, no, this is painful. And then Fly will, I feel like Fly just like turns you to mush. I felt like my internal organs were all just like exploding and <laughs> So overall what is your top three of Fantasyland after our twenty twenty one sorry, twenty twenty one visit, yeah. The ride that I enjoy the most there personally for me is Black Mamba, but Fly is absolutely their best coaster. It's their best attraction. And then Colorado would handily easily top out round out the top three. For me. I would agree. Uh, exact same thing. It's and like then, you have your favorite versus best. I don't think Black Mamba is by any means the best. I still think when we're going to talk about like best overall products and yeah. integration, it's Fly. We would be... Rem- Fly, Tarom, Black Mamba. I mean, in the yeah. order that they came, yeah. you know, like it keeps getting better. We'd be remiss to say that Fly isn't like a, like a quantum leap in technology. It's not just a launched flying coaster. It's also a flying coaster that has perfected the ride system. Even if it was just the way that the ride loads and unloads and transitions from loading to flying I want, with a traditional lift hill, I mean, that would still be a huge breakthrough. I want Disney to take this ride concept and turn give it us, into a more family-friendly Iron Man Give us Iron Man. Where they can literally just start off the ride as a dark ride and turn it into a family-friendly launch coaster. I mean, it's high capacity. Yeah. If Tron can exist with like 14 passengers of train, yeah. Fly can exist as, yeah. a, you know, it feels, as a niche it does. It feels like, it, it, the way I feel about Fly, it, 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 I have fond recollections of like Disney's greatest projects, most of which are Vacoma, but like things like when I think about Hyperspace Mountain and Tron and like where my expectations are for Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like you can tell that this is this is the kind of stuff that Vacoma concerns themselves with at this point. Is like if you give Vacoma money, they they can make it happen. Premium and Disney and Fantasia like prime examples. World's great. I mean, this is this is, Fly is just one of the greatest roller coasters in the world. Like it's it's just it feels like such a everything about it just feels genius. And you, I mean, think, I'm not saying good thing Conda flooded, but like good thing Conda flooded because we actually made it over. <laughs> Fantasia wasn't on our itinerary. It was yeah. completely out of the way. We had to drive three hours there and then five hours to Paris the same yeah. day. It, we weren't planning on going when Conda was still like way closer. But 
Conda, you know, Wallaby Belgium unfortunately went through a mass flooding and they're reopening next month, which yeah. is really exciting. Um, but that's why we went to Fantasma and we said like, hey, so yeah, Wallaby instead Belgium of, instead of on doing, the next Belgium. Instead of doing fly in May of 2022, when yeah. it's our next trip we kind of plan, let's do fly now. Like, yeah. Let's just do it now in the next trip, but we'll just do a different park. Um, and I'm glad we did because I think fly is a really part, it's a really important part of the, of the modern coaster conversation. Yeah. And I think that unlike the new Facoma loopers, which there's many of them, the fact that fly is the one of its kind, its only thing, and I think it's important to discuss, especially because we've written, we've written a lot of beat-up flies. I think, in fact, I think we have all the big ones. We have, um, the only one that we don't have that's custom is Harpy. Yeah. But we have Star Sky Ripper, we, we have, have Flying, Flying Dinosaur, Dinosaur Tatsu. Tatsu. I mean, we brought Tatsu on a weekly basis. So it's one Acrobat, of, like these are the really important ones. So like the big, the big boys we have, and I would handily say that <laughs> Um, despite flying dinosaur being a little more comfortable because it's not as quite as intense, the best flying coast in the world is fly. Is fly. It's, not even no a, it's not even a fair fight. It's not even a close it's contest. It's just like it's just different flying coast. The brilliance level. of the system, it's the new. launch, the combination of applying the launch mechanism. The launch really does make a difference. And it really does. And having because you know what, flying coasters like the lift hills on flying coasters suck. I think well, about, they like, really like do. I mentioned earlier this episode. The, as we wrote it, the first thing I said after launch, well, was like, like these should have always so natural. been launched. These should always have been launched. These should have been launch coasters. For, like the way that Intamin was building launched inverts in the late nineties, it should have been flying launched coasters. flying coasters. Should have been. It feels way more the natural. The point of it of, from the get go. It really feels natural. So, um, having said that, despite the area not being natural, but the ride feeling natural. Yeah. Um, that's how we're gonna end our episode. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you check out all the other episodes we have uh, of the season. We are about to finish season three. We have two more episodes after this, including Disneyland Paris and then the finale episode, which will be, I'm gonna reveal the theme here, Time <laughs> Traveler at Silver Dollar City versus, versus Time Ride to Happiness. Ride to Happiness. Uh, yeah. So that's gonna be the last one, and then we'll take a little break. We're back with lots of cool stuff yeah. in season four. We have to finish putting our house together, so we have to take yep. a break. Yeah, do that. Um, we have obviously have work to work, our actual jobs. Yeah. Um, because we don't monetize that we much. But if you want to support us, <laughs> uh, go ahead and either buy some stuff from our shop or leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. That will definitely help us out. Visit thecoasterkings.com. We have at least two, three articles a week. We have our weekly crown ratings, which um, are live every single week. So make sure you check that out. And thank you for tuning in. Bye. Bye.